tonight, we just uh, have the joy and the privilege of hearing from one of our pastor and elders and a dear friend of mine, someone with the, one of the kindest hearts I know, um, and also very powerful. And so whew, we're going to continue on with uh, hearing about the life of Jesus and watching how he discipled so we know better how to be discipled by him and how to help others too. So Russ Folkler, let's give him honor Russ. friend said, my name's Russ Folkler, and I'm married to the more famous Susan Folkler. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, as Brent shared last week, how many of you got to hear Brent's message either uh, directly or by podcast last week? Wasn't it good? Yeah. It was so good. And Brent shared that as elders, as we prayed and sought the Lord in late January, we've we felt even more on our hearts his heart for the harvest this year and preparing for the harvest. And uh, it's already here, uh, but to, it's, it's, it's going to be increasing. And Brent shared his dream. Do you remember that about the, uh, the powerful lightning storm and the, and the train uh, pushing the shack and the deluge coming? So it's not going to all be neat and tidy. <laughs> But we all, we all want to be ready. So even tonight, Holy Spirit, I ask that you prepare our hearts even more. Prepare our spirits. I, in fact, I invite, I invite all of your human spirits to, to just be forward and be fully engaged with the Holy Spirit tonight. I hope you're already there. But if you're not, just welcome you forward to engage with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask that you um, move in each of us and prepare each of us. I have a friend uh, named Joanne. She lives in England, and she sometimes gets visions and prophetic words. And, and she got this recently. Uh, she was at a, uh, like a prayer meeting at night at her church in Telford, and she wrote to me, Tonight the stage opened like doors. In other words, people who see in the spirit, sometimes it's like something opens up. <clears throat> And in the brief seconds that it was there in front of me, there was a bright, sunny day. A field as far as the eye could see. The field was full of wheat, swaying the breeze. It seemed heavy on the stalks. In other words, the, the, um, the grain part was heavy. <clears throat> a few people, a few people were gathering the harvest. I wondered why they weren't using machinery. Because you know there was just such a big, such a big harvest, but a voice spoke so clearly, but so gently. Those stalks represent the people who are yet to know me, yet to feel my love in their heart. Ooh, can you feel that? Yeah. Will you go? Will you join those already gathering the hearts of the people to me? And that's for you too. That's a question for each one of us from our Heavenly Father.
So we're going to look at one of the stories in the Gospels. We're looking at <clears throat> we're looking to Jesus and to learn about how he discipled, not just for here, right, but for our spirits and for our hearts. And so as we go through this, I encourage you to engage with your heart also about what's happening, what's, what's up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on so I can see. So I'm going back to, to John, first chapter, to kind of set the stage. This is talking about the coming of Jesus, John 11 through, 1, 11 through 13. The genuine light that gives light to all humankind was in the world. And although the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, but they did not accept him. Yet, to everyone who accepted him, to everyone who believed his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not from a woman, nor from the purpose of the natural realm, nor from the purpose of a man, but born from God. Does anyone know what Jesus' name is in Hebrew? Yahshua. Yeah. What does that mean? God saves. So, it's, so part of believing in his name is believing that Yah the Most High saves. And I want to go back a little bit into um, chapter 2 of the Gospel of John, because that really is setting the stage. But I'm just going to zoom on through. So there was a wedding in Cana that he and his disciples, Jesus and his disciples went to. First public miracle, turning uh, water into wine. Then he goes to the temple for Passover. And when he sees the merchants and the money changers in the temple, he drives them out, made a, made a big stir. He said, you will not make my father's house of prayer into a, a place of merchants, merchandise. And also Jesus challenges the leaders about the importance and permanence of the temple, their pride, which was their pride and joy. That was their pride and joy was the temple. And he was actually referring to himself, but they didn't understand that at the time that that uh, destroy this temple and it will be rebuilt in three days. So he's giving hints, and he's he's kind of as someone once observed, um, God is coming to take over, but he's coming to take over through our hearts. And this is the last part of uh, John chapter two. I want to pay particular attention to. While Jesus was at the Passover feast, the number of his followers began to grow, and many gave their allegiance to him because of all the miraculous signs they had seen him doing. So people want to follow him because they're seeing him do miracles. But this is important. Jesus did not yet entrust himself to them because he knew how fickle human hearts can be. He didn't need anyone to tell him about human nature, for he fully understood what man was capable of. 
So things are looking good, but Jesus is being careful. And that's setting the stage for Nicodemus. Now there was a prominent religious leader among the Jews named Nicodemus. The Jews who was part of the sect called the Pharisees and a member of the Jewish ruling council. One night, he discreetly came to Jesus. So it's at night. No one's going to really notice that he's coming to Jesus. He's doing it secretly, if you will. And said, Master, we know that you are a teacher from God. For no one performs the miracle signs that you do unless God's power is with him. So, what do you think Nicodemus is after? Maybe confirmation that, that, that Yeshua is the Messiah. That's a good one. Yeah. He saw something in Jesus the law couldn't provide or explain which was the, the miracles, huh? Yeah. And something else, too. Uh, he's, he was acting with authority, cleansing the temple. So I'm asking you questions, and I encur- part of what I want to encourage you to do as you're reading the Gospels is start asking yourself questions. We sometimes just read them without really reading the white, if you will, like what's, what's implied, and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal things. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you reveal things today that you want us to go deeper with. So Jesus answered Nicodemus, and what he said was, Nicodemus, listen to this eternal truth. Before a person can perceive God's kingdom realm, they must first experience a rebirth. Now, I'm not sure that was exactly what Nicodemus was asking about, but this is what Jesus knew he needed to know. Jesus was listening to Nicodemus' heart and spirit, not necessarily just what he was saying. And that's part of what we're called to do too when we interact with people, is to listen with the Holy Spirit to what their real needs are and what they really need to hear, even if it's not necessarily what they're asking about. Does that make sense? Yes, we want to engage with what they're asking about, but there's often deeper things that their heart's calling out for. And Nicodemus is looking for what's real and true and transformational. So oftentimes you hear about you must be reborn. It's two interesting uh, Greek words. One is um, genithe, which means born or begotten. And then Anothen, which means from above, from the top, or the beginning, and also again and anew. So you'll understand why Nicodemus assumed a different thing than what Jesus was really saying. Because Nicodemus said, rebirth, how can a gray-headed man be reborn? It's impossible for a man to get back into the womb a second time and be reborn. But Jesus, Jesus wasn't talking about that, was he? He was saying, you must be born from above. And 
in just a bit, I'm going to invite you to share your own born-from-above experience with each other. If <clears throat> well, I'm going to tell you mine first while you're thinking about yours. <laughs> many years ago, I won't tell you how many years ago, <laughs> in a place far, far away, I was, I was going to college, and I, realized my, I noticed my heart had become harder and harder. I'd become an agnostic in high school. But I, I decided to do an experiment for 40 days. I, I prayed, God, if you're real, would you reveal yourself and would you soften my heart? Every day for 40 days. Well, I had been, I'd grown up in the church. But I was doing a, I'm kind of scientific, so I was doing, an exper- I was doing a scientific experiment. God's real. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to test it. And somewhat, sometimes it felt like I was throwing a tennis ball up in the air, hoping somebody was going to catch it. With my, But um, on the 40th day, some friends of mine invited me, including Susan, who was a backpacking friend at the time, to a prayer meeting they were having. And that just sounded really attractive for some reason. And as they lay, hand on, hand, lay hands on me and prayed for me, my heart melted, and I felt this liquid love flow through me. And there was really good fruit. I suddenly wanted to read the Bible. The Bible started becoming alive to me. I got so hungry just to read, especially the New Testament. And my, my spirit was, was awakened, enlivened, and more things happened. And Susan and I, once we got married and we went back to a um, high school reunion, we could sense who, were, who had the Holy Spirit, who, was, who were born, born from above, if you will, and and we could we could sense that that uh, camaraderie, that kindred spirit with them. Does that make sense? Okay, now it's your turn. <laughs> I would like each of you to um, find someone else really quickly. But I'm going to give you two minutes first to think a little more, and then I'm going to say, "Okay, break." And then I'd like you to share it with someone else, preferably someone you don't know, but you don't have to. And if you don't have a partner, raise your at at some point, raise your hand, and look around for someone else who's raising their hand. Are you are you ready? So go ahead and think a little bit longer about your story. Okay. Well, I'll get I'll do less I'll do less time. Okay. All right. I think you're already ready. All right. People are already starting. Okay. Go for it. Wow, the, um, the water level in the whole room rose. Did you feel that? Talk, talking about Jesus, talking about how he's, he, uh, he touched our life to start with. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And um, as you might have guessed, I had several hopes for you folks sharing. One is for you to start getting used to the idea of sharing your story with others. Yeah, how was that? 
Hey. <laughs> More joy, <laughs> as Brent was, was uh, prophesying for us, a big seed of joy. <clears throat> so after Nicodemus wondered about rebirth, Jesus answered, I speak an eternal truth. Unless you are born of water and spirit wind, you will never enter God's kingdom realm. For the natural realm only gives, can only give birth to things that are natural, but the spiritual realm gives birth to supernatural life. You shouldn't be amazed by my statement, you must be born from above. For the spirit wind blows as it chooses. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it came from or where it's going. And so it is with the hearts of those who are spirit-born. I love this translation of this part from the Passion Translation. <laughs> so so do, can you think of anybody who just seems to move wherever the spirit moves them? <laughs> My wife, hey. Well, there's, there's a st- I remembered a story about Philip, who, uh, who an angel told to go, go wait by a, the road going from Jerusalem to Gaza. And that was kind of like the spirit, the spirit and the angel. And he goes, and, and there's, there's an uh, Ethiopian official who's on a chariot coming by, and he's reading the book of Isaiah and, and doesn't understand it. And so Philip offers to explain it. And, and, and this official... Notice they would come to some water. And he said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, I believe that Jesus the Messiah is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch, the official, went down to the water, and he baptized him. And now when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. So the eunuch saw he was no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Where, was, where did Philip go? Well, Philip was found in Azotus, and passing through, he preached to all the cities he came to, to Caesarea. So there was somebody who was just being moved by the Spirit. And you couldn't, in the natural realm, you couldn't explain what was going on, could you? You needed to be in Spirit. And I know some of you are also like that. You, you just listen to what the Spirit whispers and you, you go where or say what you, or speak, call up the person you feel led to, to do that with. Most of you have had some of those experiences and I encourage you to, to open yourself to, up to more. And you did notice the part about uh, born of water and, and Spirit. What's that about? What's the water part about? Baptism. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I had the opportunity to disciple a young man a few years ago. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And we would meet a few times, like once a week. And one day he came to me and said, you know, I really feel like I need to be baptized. So I, did, I had not even mentioned it to him yet. It was the Holy Spirit 
that was at work in his heart to be baptized. But a lot of times it's good to encourage people once, once they've received Jesus to take that step as well. Then Nicodemus replied, but I don't understand. What do you mean? How does this happen? The good question. Jesus answered, Nicodemus, aren't you the respected teacher in Israel? And yet you don't understand this revelation. I speak eternal truths about things I know, things I've seen and experienced, and still you do not accept what I reveal. If, you, if you're unable to understand and believe what I've told you about the natural realm, what will you do when I begin to unveil the heavenly realm? And Jesus said this really intriguing thing. No one has risen into the heavenly realm except the Son of Man, who also exists in heaven. Wow. Now, a lot of translations don't add that part about the Son of Man existing in heaven, but if you... I'm not a Greek scholar, but I looked at an inner linear, and it was quite clearly there. So Jesus said, I'm already existing in heaven as well as being here with you. And, and that's, what we're, that's what we can do also as sons and daughters who've, who have been filled with the Spirit and accepted it and made into sons and daughters is we get to be seated in heavenly places with Messiah Yeshua. In some ways, it seems like Jesus is kind of giving Nicodemus a hard time, but he's sharing things that probably no one else has ever heard. And he's also gently challenging Nicodemus to, to let go of what he thought was the, full, the whole truth and open himself up to more and see Jesus for who he really is. Hmm. Okay, so now I've got some questions for all y'all disciple makers. The first one is, how was Jesus using this moment to reveal the Father's kingdom? Uh, any any responses? Any thoughts? Uh, if whatever you if you if you want to call out something, I'll repeat it on the mic so it's everybody can hear it. He had contrasted the natural realm to the heavenly realm. That's right. That's right. Any other thoughts? He was drawing Nicodemus out and piquing his curiosity and drawing him deeper and deeper. Thank you, Larry. Yeah. 
Right. So he knew Nicodemus was an important person in kind of the, the, gov- the government of the Jewish people and that he was a man of influence and that, that he could influence others. Very good. I'll share some of my thoughts, but those aren't any more meaningful than yours. Um, Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, before a person can perceive God's kingdom realm, they must first experience being born from above. He's saying, this is, you can't just figure this out with your mind. And uh, he also was saying the people who are spirit-born, it's talking about the Father's kingdom, are moved by the spirit in ways that are a mystery to those who are not spirit-born. So it's not going to necessarily make sense to people who are just in their natural mind. But if you want to perceive the Father's kingdom, this is a, this is a necessary um, starting point, this experience. And also, Jesus was saying, I am the one who, who unveils and reveals the heavenly realm. Wow, do you feel that? <laughs> Ooh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, next question. How did Jesus relate differently to different people in this story, and why? I know some of you think we're just talking about Nicodemus, but I shared something before we met Nicodemus. It was talk, he was, well, people were starting to follow him because of the miracles, but Jesus did not entrust himself with those folks, but he did more with Nicodemus. And this came right after that other passage. So Jesus was choosing to reveal more to Nicodemus at this point than he was to just share it with the crowds. And we all, we all get to listen to the Holy Spirit about what we share with whom when. Nicodemus was ready to hear what Jesus had to say, even if he didn't fully understand it. Very, very good. I like that. I like that. Okay. Um, He sought Jesus out. It was more than just the crowd following Jesus. He sought him out. Yes. Very good. He was was spirit-led. Yeah. Very good. And the next question is, how is this preparing us for the coming harvest? Help people us discern. And I'm talking about the whole interaction I've been talking about with, from the last part of chapter 2 and then the whole section we've been reading about Nicodemus. How is what Jesus is sharing going to help us with the harvest, preparing us. Need, people need to be baptized by, by both water and spirit. That's right. To move where the Father is moving. Pardon? To move as the Father moves. To, speak to those who he tells you to speak. Yes, to move as the Father is moving and speak with those he gives us to speak to. Thank you, Joanne. Yes, Emily. Um, I think 
that was beautiful. I'm not sure I'll remember it all as well as you said it. But, but, Jesus, but Jesus is giving us permission to engage not just the question, but the questioner and, be, and do that by the Spirit. Very good. Did I, did I capture that? Okay. <laughs> it was so beautiful. Yeah. Anyone else? I would, a little bit along the lines of what people have already said, I would say that uh, people being drawn to Jesus need to understand their need to be born from above to make them spirit, to make them children of God. They need to do more than just simply know about Jesus. And as others have already said, we, we get to, we get to, I like saying that, we get to rely on, upon God's spirit ourselves to lead us as harvesters. Paying attention when he's highlighting somebody. Yeah. Very good. I really like the interaction we're having. Thank you. Appreciate it. Then, Jesus makes this remarkable comparison. He said, so just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, in the same way the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may share in the life of God's new age. Yeah. How many of you know the story of the bronze snake or the, in the fiery serpents? I see maybe... Maybe a third to half. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm going to just read, read it really briefly. So this is about the time the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness. And when they set out from Mount, Mount Hor, by the way of the Red Sea, to go around the land of Edom, the people became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no food, no water, and we loathe this miserable food. What was that miserable food? Manna, that's right. And, and the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded. For the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard that it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, this bronze serpent, not a real serpent, in other words, a model made of bronze, when he looks at it, they will live, he will live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, set it on a standard. And it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Like I said, a really remarkable story. But I think the main point we want to take away is it didn't take a lot more than just for someone who was bit by this serpent. Now, by the way, not only was it fiery, um, see the picture there? That's actually a snake from that area. It's a, it's a viper. Inhabits the deserts in the Middle East. It's deadly poisonous, extremely dangerous. 
and has an especially painful fiery bite, a reddish fiery color, and the lightning fast strike. It leaps. It can get up to about waist high. And it causes death by internal bleeding. So many people believe that's probably the kind of snake that were, was biting people. Um, but all the, all the people ha- who were bitten had to do was what? Just look at this bronze snake up on a, on a pole, basically, that Moses was holding up. Didn't take a lot. And I believe that Jesus is saying something similar. People who really behold me, who really perceive who I am, and realize their need to, to, to perceive who I really am, will be saved. Yeah. I don't know how that worked. <laughs> I'm just going to go with the text as written right now. Because <laughs> we have more things to talk about. Thank you, that's a good point. It's good to think about things, like how long did it take Moses to, to make that snake? And Jesus continues after talking about being lifted up. For this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. We've all essentially been bitten by by what the serpent um, deceived Adam and Eve with, haven't we? And that's why we're perishing. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. So now there is no longer any condemnation for those who believe in him, because Uh, let's see. But the unbeliever already lives under condemnation because they do not believe in the name of God's beloved Son. Now, I used to read that kind of being a, a bit concerned that somehow God was the one who was, who was uh, condemning. I like to think of it as we're, we've been bitten, and we have. A, it's, and those of us, we've been, and we'll talk more about what our condition is. But um, our our situation continues as it is, unless we choose to turn to Jesus. We're already living under the pain of of uh, the separation that happened when Adam and Eve decided to do what was right in their own eyes and go their own way. That's already our condition, but Jesus brought a way to to save us and heal us from that. Jesus goes on to say, this is the judgment. And a judgment means an opinion or a decision. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness instead of the light for their actions were evil. Everyone who commits thoughtless acts hates the light and does not go towards the light. Otherwise, their actions will be exposed. 
But the person who has the truth moves towards the light so that it may be revealed that their actions have been carried out by God. And I have some more questions for you disciple makers. What truth about the Father's heart is Jesus displaying? Love. Yes. God loved the world. He sent his only, his special one and only son. Yes. He desires for all to be saved. That's really important. That's really important. Yes. He made the way of salvation really easy because he wants everyone to be saved. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Mm, very good. What aspects of God's love are we to learn and live out? Yes, Marsha. God gave his son and we give also? In what way? Unselfishly. Okay, to, to, um, to learn to be unselfish like our father. Yeah, that's good. Yes. Pardon? Love all humanity. And Stephen? Let his love be our only agenda. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And he is very merciful. Yes. Very good. Yes, Zach. The aspect of being a servant, just like Jesus came to be a servant. That's good. I would add... um, to tr- this is what I said, which is, well, you've caught some of it. To trust in the power of God's love to fully rescue and save anyone through Yeshua, his son. And also, because he talks so much about the light, for, for ourselves to not be afraid of his light revealing what we've tried to hide. And letting his light reveal the lies that we've believed. Because it's part of God's love for us part of his process for us to become whole as a daughter or a son. So how many of us have tried to hide a few things? <laughs> and that's part, of, that's part of holiness, that's part of wholeness, is letting his light work in us, not to be afraid of it. Going a little over time, but I think we're doing okay. Uh, lastly, how is this preparing us for the coming harvest? 
by the way, all these questions were, were formulated by Brent at our... <laughs> Aren't they good? They're good questions. Yes. Joanne. Learning to walk in obedience. So being led by his spirit and obe- obeying um, in the actions that he brings us to people to, to share the good news with. Yeah, okay. I saw some other flickering hands. So preparing us for the harvest by asking to have his heart to see people the way he sees them, not condemning, but meeting people where they're at and and sharing what brings life. Uh, Let's see, someone who hasn't asked yet, Shaunas. Yes, so seeing, seeing with spiritual eyes the treasure inside of each person instead of condemning them. That's really good. I, I can hear some resonance with that. Okay, one more. Yes? Mm, that you realize you need to have time with the Lord before you can really... Do, do this out of, out of um, the, the spirit. Yeah. Okay, that's good. I'm, gonna, I'm sure there are more questions. I encourage you to engage with each other later as well. Um, but I'm going to encourage you to continue engaging with the story yourself. And in closing, I'm going to read another passage from John chapter 1. And so this living expression, who's the living expression? Jesus. Jesus. He's the living expression of who or what? Of the Father, yeah. Became a man and lived among us, and we gazed upon the splendor of his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, overflowing with tender mercy and truth. So Jesus, we just want to, we want to behold you. We want to gaze upon the splendor of your glory. Helping us to behold the Father. Overflowing with tender mercy and truth. The truth that sets us free. The truth that untwists us so that we can be whole. And Holy Spirit, we ask, we are all asking that you help prepare us for every day and every opportunity that you want to bring across our path. To share your good news. Amen.